God's Son, the Beloved. Amen. I'm thinking about what connects us to one another. I'll give you an example. My, husband, my family and I recently traveled over the holiday, and when we were in the airport in Dallas, there were a few things that caught my attention. One is that there was no doubt that the five of us, my family, were all together. We, we take up a lot of space. We have a lot of energy. We bring our own chaos if you will. And while we were sitting at this small gate in the DFW airport, I was looking around because it was evident that everybody at that gate was traveling to Little Rock, right? And in the corner was the most delightful group of people. There were four of them, two couples, older than myself, um, fully dressed out in razorback gear. They had all the right colors on, all the right symbols on their shirts. It was evident that they were traveling together and they were from Arkansas. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say one other thing, which is that one of the women had the most delightful accent. You know, you, maybe you know what I'm talking about. That beautiful southern accent that honestly I could listen to for days. It was delightful. Now I say all of this to say that it was evident to me that they belonged to one another, that they felt connected and like they belonged to Arkansas, and I connected with this woman who I may never meet, could have no idea what her name was, solely based on the, her voice, the sound of her voice. There are all kinds of physical traits and signs and symbols and mascots and logos that draw us to one another. And as someone born and raised in the South by two Ohio State graduates and diehard Ohio State fans, I am keenly aware of how symbols, colors, unite and divide us. I mean, most of the time it's just sports talk, right? Sports ball, as we call it in my house. No one takes it that seriously, right? (laughs) Hopefully, these are symbolic unions or divisions, not definitive ones. Hopefully, we're connected by more than a symbol or a love for our team. If you were to open the prayer book to page 298, you would find at the top of the page these sentences. Holy baptism is full initiation, full initiation by water and the Holy Spirit into Christ's body, the church. The bond which God establishes in baptism is indissoluble. Now that rubric, as we call them, the directives, the prescriptions for our worship, our liturgy, is unusual. Typically, the rubrics give us more specific directions, things like you may kneel or stand, 
or very specific, that it is the bishop's prerogative to celebrate the Eucharist. There's only one other rubric I can think of that's remotely similar to this one, and it's found at the end of the burial rite. This particular rubric prescribes meaning, understanding. This is who we are and what we do. And please don't miss the word indissoluble, unbreakable. The bond we have with God, we declare, is unable to be destroyed. Colors, mascots, every symbol will come and go. Water poured on our forehead and crosses marked with oil. They are unbreakable, here to stay. Now, each gospel writer tells us about Jesus' baptism with its own nuances, its own details, and some of those matter, some of them maybe are less important. But there are two in Luke's gospel that I want you to notice, please. The first is that Jesus is praying. Now, Mark, Matthew, John, they mention Jesus praying throughout their gospels, but never at this particular moment. It is Luke who says that after Jesus was baptized, he was praying. Arthur agrees with me, by the way, every word. Jesus is praying, and something happens. The heavens open, and we hear God's voice. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased, God says. Here is Christ, claimed and proclaimed as God's own, pleasing in the sight of God. Now, this is no accident. The gospel writer knows what the gospel writer is doing. We are meant to recall the first breaking open of the heavens and that it was good. Creation from the very beginning. Which leads me to the other detail, which I must now confess is not actually in our reading today. It comes afterward, so you'll have to go home and open your Bibles when you get home, unless you brought them here. In which case, you can open your Bible to the end of chapter 3 or 4. See, I should have my Bible in front of me. This is what I want you to know, is that right there you're going to find a genealogy for Jesus. Now, I have been studying the Bible for many, many years, and I had never noticed Luke's genealogy. I think I'd come, become so distracted by Matthew's that it never occurred to me to look here in this place to see what Luke has to say about Jesus' heritage. Now, Matthew wants us to know, in his genealogy, that Jesus is linked to the prophets and to the law and to outsiders. And that's because Matthew's gospel is concerned about the law and the prophets and inclusion. Why, I wonder, does Luke give us a genealogy. What is important about Jesus' heritage to Luke? Well, in Luke's genealogy, we have only men. You're welcome. 
all the men in the room. You've got your own genealogy. In this genealogy, Luke starts with Joseph and admits that that's complicated. Now, when I saw that, I sat with it for a little while, and I thought, well, I could chase that rabbit trail, but who has time for that? And thankfully, the gospel also says, in parentheses, we acknowledge this is complicated. <laughs> and they keep going. And Luke mentions Abraham, well, David first, then Abraham. What is unique is that Luke ends with Adam. Adam, the first human. Luke traces Jesus' heritage all the way to the beginning, the first cracking open of the heavens, the first proclamation from God that God is pleased with creation. Here, here is the mystery, the full mystery of the incarnation. Jesus is without a doubt fully divine. We know this by the Annunciation, and Jesus is fully human, an ancestor of Adam. The mystery of the Incarnation is a great mystery. Now we're going to come close to this mystery in a little bit. We're going to say our prayers, and we're going to baptize sweet Arthur here. Something is going to happen. This water, our water, becomes bound up in the ministry of Christ. By our prayers, water becomes this vehicle of our own inheritance, our humanity bound to Christ, bound to Adam. Our humanity bound to Christ, bound to God. Like Adam, we are God's creation. And like Christ, we are God's beloved. And like Adam and Jesus, God takes pleasure in us. This is a great mystery. Our lives woven into the life of Christ, the redemption of all creation, because this was God's intent from the very beginning, to fully inhabit, know, and redeem us. Through our baptism, we are adopted into this heritage, our humanity bound to Christ's divinity. By it, we receive the reconciling grace of God in our lives. We are bound to God, an indissoluble bond, unbreakable, a great mystery. God's goodness given to us in our lives forever. Now I must confess that when I come close to this mystery, there is a reckoning that happens within me. I have to come face to face with all my judgments about myself, I know my own brokenness, and my neighbor, all the brokenness I assume about them. And I begin to catch a glimpse of all the ways that I try to hoard or control God's grace. If 
if when I come close to this mystery, I can root myself in God's love and grace, I find that I am transformed, bound to a new way of love, a way of love that is God's way, that honors all of creation. This is a love that knows there is enough. Enough love. Enough mercy. Enough of all that we need in creation. This love unites us to one another, surpassing every division that we create for ourselves and making us one body. One body in Christ. A full revelation of God's creative, reconciling grace for the whole world. When we root ourselves in this mystery, our lives bound up in Christ and one another, we are transformed, no longer ruled by our desires or our fears. Now, now we are God's beloved, recipients of God's grace, and we know who and whose we are. Inheritors of the promises to Joseph, to David, to Abraham, and Adam. May we know who and whose we are. May we know the depth of God's love for us and our neighbors. And may our lives be rooted in this love.